Hey guys, welcome to the Welding Business Owners Podcast, where podcasts are late, but our bids are on time. I'm your host, Kevin, with JMW Fabrication. Today, we dig into the fifth and final episode with Drew from Petty's Welding. We talk all about pricing your work, how to price it, how to think about it, how to buy material, how to deal with customers, and how to raise your prices, and everything else that I've been getting questions on Instagram on. So this is your episode. Grab your notepad, get it ready, sharpen your pencil, and start taking some notes because you're going to love it. Going back to the plasma table thing, a lot of people, I mean, we have our own formula and everybody has their own formula to pricing automated machines. What Mm -hmm. do you do? Like, what is your formula for pricing? Like, is it every hour runtime? You just charge shop rate? Is it per inch, per cut, or... Yeah, no. Uh, well, like, so you can't, clearly, you can't make a thousand widgets for the same price that you would make five widgets, right? So uh, that's just simple economics. If you sit down, you have a meeting with a customer, you draw the part, everybody agrees at the part, and they want five of them, those parts are pretty expensive per. You got a lot of investment in just making five simple parts. Uh, if the customer wants 5,000 widgets, now that's a different story. You know, you can get that cost down. So what I do is, uh, I take my plasma table and it is my, my personal working shop rate plus consumables, all of my drawing time, all of that into every single plasma job. Because here's, here's, here's what is a fool's game. There are shops and especially metal distributors. They've all got plasma tables. Every, every, everybody I order materials from has plasma tables and they'll cut out whatever you want and they can do it cheaper than you. And they should be able let the cut shops, you know, we're not trying to be a mass producer. Let the cut shops go sell cheap, you know, antique store kind of signs and they can do it all day long and sell you some custom sign for $25 painted and all that, you know, whatever, fine, go, you know, go do that thing. That's not what I want to compete with. So my, I run my table on the high side, ensure material markups, but I make sure I get my, every bit of my shop hourly rate and plus some, plus just about figure a, consu- a consumable change out on almost every job. Uh, so just throw another 15 bucks in when you're quoting something, because that or 18, 19 bucks, whatever it takes for a full consumable, even though you're not using that, I'm just saying you need to make sure you're factoring in the cost of that table. So it's actually what I've been selling. And I forgot to this point, I've been selling that table at shop rate plus 10 or 15 bucks an hour, plus the consumable. I don't want to get some low bid job for just cutting, 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 cutting. I don't have time for that. Right. We're doing more custom stuff. So the, the table's expensive, but it's one, it's got to replace itself, right? That's something I think a lot of people don't think about when they make buy these tools. They think you've spent the money once and it's done. I'm making enough money with my table. I need to make enough money. You need to make enough money with your table that you can replace it in 15 years, you know, like you're going to buy another one with it. So you don't want to own that tool the whole time and break even with it. It's got to pay for itself plus replace itself. That tool has to remake itself if you're going to stay in business long-term, right? And that's my goal. Now at this point, I'm too invested to go do anything else. So like, so that tool, there's 10 or $15 an hour built into the, the operation of that table. That is just, I'm not setting it aside, but I'll dang sure make sure I got plenty of capital when that one, when something fatal happens on that table, and I don't really see what that could be as of yet, uh, that you can replace it, you know, that, so I operate the table on the high side, but I'm not trying to be a mass producer of parts, but we do get some cut jobs, just cut jobs. We'll take in some, uh, we do some cutting for 
a local sheet metal shop. They are incredible at what they do, but all they have is a water jet. Well, they cut half inch plate at five inches a minute or seven inches a minute or something. I'm cutting half inch plate at 60 or 50 or whatever. And I don't remember what it is. It's like I can make their parts for them cheaper than they can make them in the house with the same skill sets and have plenty of markup. So they will farm out jobs that don't need water jet accuracy to me because I can do it cheaper than them and give it back to them to use in their projects. And so like there's even those kinds of things in those business relationships. I wouldn't be doing that for everybody, but they handle all of our sheet metal needs. So we take anything that they can farm out to us plasma wise, I'll take in and do, you know, for them and in return for just that relationship. But, uh, you know, that being said, I, I like to operate the those things at even a higher level. And I think that's where some guys make a little bit of a mistake is saying, oh, I just got faster. We'll lower our price, you know? And I think it's like the mechanics mentality. Like think, think about mechanics. Here's where mechanics get really screwed and I almost feel bad for them. They're expected to buy their own tools and all of the new tools that come out, Snap-on and Matco and all this expensive stuff that make them faster at what they do. And then they charge hourly and they never go up on their rate. So they invest in themselves. They make themselves faster, smarter, more problem solving. They spend, have tens of thousands of dollars worth of tools and they're charging the same as when they started out with sockets and wrenches and ratchets in their hand, you know? And so the, the, the mentality of me is, you know what? I've invested in all this. I'm buying all these expensive tools. I'm going to charge even more for the speed now. You know, I'm going to charge even more because I can get these products to you faster, more accurate, more repeatability. So I, a lot of guys, I think they get better and faster, continue to charge everything by the hour. And then, or like, well, if I band sawed it, it would have taken me this long or what, you know, kind of find some justification to charging the least. A lot of guys just beat themselves up. And so like, you've mm -hmm. got to get past that, I think, in the sense of, get faster and then charge more. Yep. Yep. I, uh, and back to what you touched on about replacing the, uh, uh, the machine, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't take that into consideration when they start pricing their work that to buy a new engine drive welder and maintain it and to put gas in it. I mean, two years ago, I think I, uh, probably three years ago, I calculated it's like it's a minimum of like three dollars an hour for me just yeah. just to have that run and replace it. So yeah. like if I how like much did you say three how bucks, much did you say three bucks yeah. an hour? Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Now now that they've drastically increased in price, I would say it's probably closer to four bucks an hour to replace it. Yeah. So like and that's an easy formula, right? Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, let's just let's just throw the formula out there, and then I, I don't sure. want you to continue. I hate, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like you pay most small aluminum block, you know, gasoline engine engine drives, which is all most of us need, are pretty disposable units, right? That's just a fact. You're not going to run it for 10, 12 years, put 4,000 hours on it, and then replace the engine. You're going to go buy a new one at that point, right? Some guys might, but you. You so let's take the cost of a new Trailblazer, something I just purchased, nine thousand dollars, right? Most gas air cooled engines. Let's just I'm gonna throw out a number that I think is close, three thousand hours, right? So your three dollar formula. Let's just say I can get three thousand hours. Hope and prayer I get three thousand hours of runtime out of that Trailblazer. The actual cost of running that per hour is three dollars. That's not gasoline. That's not maintenance. That's not repairs. The run cost. So again, back to that. I made two hundred bucks today. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. There's, <laughs> there is money coming out or money you spent five years ago that you forgot about that you're still paying yourself back for. 
you know? Yep. So like, that's just, so anyway, carry on, but you're exactly, you're spot on with what I think about as far as $3 an hour on a small engine drive, you know, kind of stuff, but. Yeah. And it's, you know, um, one of the things I did with my pricing back, I don't know, five years ago is I realized, like I calculated what my most expensive process is. What, like, how do I expend the most amount, like, whether it's plasma cutting, is it oxy fuel torching? Yeah. Is it, uh, is it running rods? And, um, I calculated out, it, it was oxy fuel cutting because you can run through a couple bottles of oxygen and acetylene a day. Um, yeah. So, and you know, that's like, uh, to, uh, I mean, back in the day prices, I, I haven't even calculated. Gas is expensive right yeah. now too. You, you, you know, if you run through, I think it was, you could run, I forget what I figured out. It was like three bottles of oxygen and a bottle and a half of acetylene, depending on what size it is. Um, maybe it was four bottles of oxygen, but it, it was like a hundred and something bucks in consumables. So yeah, you can probably run a hundred something bucks of, of, you know, maybe like some stainless wire or something like that per day. But at the time, it, my most expensive um, process was oxy fuel cutting. So I knew yeah. that I had a, I had, I had to account for, you know, if I'm charging shop rate of, let's just say 85 an hour, if I'm oxy fuel cutting, I know that like, maybe I should, I should quote a little bit on the higher end of it because yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have another 150, 200 bucks a day in consumables. So I have to add that in versus That's right. if I'm just, you know, doing small repairs on a bucket, I'm going through five pounds of rod. And, you know, eight hours on, on, on at three bucks an hour or four bucks an hour, uh, maybe yeah. I'm, I'm only 40 bucks, 50 bucks in consumables then. So, yeah. So, so what you're touching on it then is when guys get their hourly rate settled, like they say, I'm a 65, 75, 85, 125, whatever hourly rate you think you've settled on. You can't hold so firm with that that you don't explain to customers, this is my base rate. You got to think of your hourly rate as this is my base. This is where I start. This is a four hour minimum. And this is the least amount you will pay for me. If your job requires me burning off 10 pounds of rod every two hours or something, I'm throwing out, if it's just a welding intensive job and we burn 60 pounds of rods on this job over the course of three or four days, it, it, that doesn't get consumed by my rate because I'll tell you this much. I've made a thousand dollars with three or four electrodes, you know, like I've also made a thousand dollars, uh, burning 50 pounds of electrodes. So like those, again, what did you put in your pocket? Those two are not the same. Mm -hmm. Those two are not the same. What, what you were solving, what problems, when, and how, you know, I, I tell people that get into the, the nuances of what engine drive you have, you know, like some days our work is so specific to the work side and not the welding side. Like you touched on it's such a little part that we'll be on a job site eight hours and the welder runs 30, 35 minutes total. Like it's not, it's not the primary actor, you know, mm -hmm. of that, of that job production that day, you know? So like those days you have a lot cheaper costs of operation than a job you show up that welders on high idle all day long and you burn 50 pounds of rods. So don't get trapped in that mentality of shop rate or your hourly rate is just no matter what those consumables are consumed. Now, if you go to a job and you burn seven, eight, 10, 15, 25 rods and you're whatever, like I, I don't break down and itemize that on a customer's invoice or anything. But if I show up and burn to your point, if I show up and burn three bottles of oxygen, heating up a two inch plate to straighten it back, you're getting my hourly rate plus 
refilling those bottles of oxygen and probably my time to do so, sure. you know, to go refill them. Like, cause that's where a lot of, a lot of places, a lot of guys lose money is realizing how much it costs them to run their business. So like mm -hmm. making sure you get paid for every hour you work, what job was that allocated to and why they need to pay for that? Why they need to pay you for that part of that job, you know? Oh yes. The customers that want you to come out three times to look at stuff. Right. And then you're there four hours and you, I charge them, I'm charging them for seven. They say, Hey, you know, like you charge me for seven hours. You're only here for four. No. Remember the first three times I was there for an hour or two, those, and this is this, I'm making up this scenario, but just saying you want to make sure you get paid for the quotes. Sure. You know, add your quoting time. You're breaking everything down inside this quote, trying to figure out how many days, hours, weeks, whatever. You put that administrative cost in there. You better, or you're losing it. You're giving yourself away. You're yep. giving yourself away. Exactly. And there's no exact formula to that, you know, um, as far as the consumables go and stuff like that. It's a ballpark. You know, you're That's not right. going to. That's right. You're not going to charge them $18. You're going to charge them 20 You know what I mean? Right. Just round it up. You know, as far as um, going to get consumables and stuff like that, I am way more dependent on Amazon and other places than I would really care to admit because yeah. my time to go to this store and pick this out is going to be 45 minutes where I can get it for the same price, probably cheaper online than and, you know, that that isn't accounted for anything in yeah. any of the jobs. Um, I right. do, I do try to deal with, you know, local companies and say, Hey, I need this. Can you drop it off next time you're in the area? Cool. He drops it off two or three days later. That's great. Um, but you know, with filling gases and stuff, we, we have a local company. Um, he's trying to earn our business and I'm trying to give it to him. I am. Um, but his prices. So at, Praxair, they put us under a different account. So we get phenomenal prices because the account that we go under gets, they order a lot of volume. Um, this place, um, other place that's local with more independently owned, he priced out my bottles. And on my average trip to Praxair, it's going to cost me like $200 more to fill it with oh, them. Wow. And yeah. granted, okay, yes, I have to pack up the uh, the bottles. I have to take it to Praxair. I have to swap them out and bring them back and load them back up. But is that worth the $200? Right now, it's not, you know? That's so, right. That's so, right. You, so you have to view it in that sort of um, – and with, with quoting, you know, we offer free quotes. But our free quotes are – you give us dimensions, you take pictures, we'll give you a ballpark, you agree to that ballpark, then when we do some sort of deposit or, you know, for bigger jobs, I don't, for bigger jobs that I think are, you know, three, four, $5,000, I'll go out there and I will do an estimate just to make sure and, and that, that we're, we're within the ballpark of what they're doing without giving them a bill. But the places yep. that went like, two handrails for grandma's front steps. All right, well, you got to give me the dimensions. I'm going to give you a price. I'm going to build in an hour for me to come out, take measurements and, you know, another 30 minutes for shop drawings. And then you get your price. And some people don't like that, but you have yes. to account for your time. Like, so that's it for, you know, for anything under three to $5,000, I won't go out on site for free. If they're right. And, and there is, some sort of discretion that you need to 
to use. And it kind of comes with time for people who are kicking tires, you know, if they're shopping around and it's like, you know, they give you a stock template of like, Hey, we want this, blah, blah, blah. Give us your best price. Like they're probably sending that to everybody else. And, and they, and they want you to come on site and take measurements. Like, cool. Um, you know, I tell the- people that we have a, a, a an estimate fee that, um, you know, it, it'll be 300 bucks for us to come out there, template it. And if you go with us, cool, we'll apply that to your, your job. But if oh, you yeah. don't, I'm still going to charge you 300 bucks. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's fantastic. Absolutely spot on. And, uh, uh, you can be the winner of a job and be the first loser, you know, and the yep. people calling around getting 10 shops to quote, Hey, give me your best price on this, blah, blah, blah. If you take that job, you've probably already lost. So knowing that you don't want to compete at the bottom of the barrel, there's, there's handrail shops here in town that are their installs, fabricated installs start at $35 a running foot. There is not a handrail in God's green earth that I would build for $35 a running foot. Not at all, not ever, not never. Yeah. And but there's, so there's always going to be the lowest bidder. So again, you know, do you want to be, I saw a truck yesterday, it cracked me up. It was the uh, lowest price paint company. That was, it was like painted onto the truck. I mean, like it was, it was graphed onto this uh, Nissan Titan or something. It was lowest price paint company. And I thought, my gosh, you don't have a clue. And I'm not, not trying to be judgmental, <laughs> but just say one, painting's already a cutthroat industry. And here you advertise yourself as being the cheapest you're and you're leading. going out and getting every job. Yeah. Yep. You're leading with, I'm the cheapest, which then you, you can end up getting all kinds of work and not making any money. Like you can do, that's easy to do. You know, yeah. you can, have, you can be busy and not profitable. So like, that's a, that's a whole different can of worms, but yeah. So you don't want to compete at the bottom of the barrel. You just don't, you don't want to swim in the deep end of the pool with all the little fish. You want to, you want to do something different, set yourself apart and don't take those. So yeah, smell those really quick, you know, and I'm my way around that. A lot of my customers give me a lot of work repetitively so it's not hard to hey let's run over here and look at something we're most likely we're going to do it so i don't i don't have to be quite as sticklerish with some of the estimating stuff but i need to implement that your strategy more but what i in the meantime do somebody calls says hey i need you to come look at this you as soon as you shut the shop down and leave you're losing like as soon as you shut down and leave and start traveling across town, you're losing. And so I always start those conversations with, hey, why don't you send me some pictures first? Mm-hmm. And two things happen with pictures, especially for a kinetic brain like mine. One, you get to decide, is this even something I want to do? Because I've showed up to look at stuff and been like, walked on like, oh, God, no, nope, this is not me right here. Nope. <laughs> and so then you've, you've doubly lost because now there is zero chance you're going to get paid for your time. Zero, you know. So going to look at it and quote it, there's still just a percentage chance you're going to get paid for your time being there. So I like your strategy of saying, hey, this is kind of how we operate, but also love saying, hey, you know what? Shoot me some pics. Let me see it before we come out. And then oftentimes I can safely bid off. You know, I, I bid a job this week on a uh, on a, a mechanical dock leveler that was factory welds torn apart, lack of fusion. I could tell by the pictures. It's a simple drive out, gouge it off, weld it back on. Anybody in the world can do it. Not a problem. Great job. Quoted it high, uh, high enough to be profitable on it and and said, hey, this is going to be my price to fix it. I'm not going to come look at it, but if you want me to fix it, this is the price. We got approval. We went out, jam up. Greg got it done in exactly the amount of hours I'd quoted. And 
I didn't waste my time driving 20 minutes away to maybe not get paid. I don't mm-hmm. risk my time anymore. I used to get just throw risk at time. Like you may, you may lose this one. You may lose this one. But the goal is to figure out how to lose as little as possible, really, like as you get better at this. And so mm-hmm. I heard, uh, oh, I can't remember who it was years ago, said a $100,000 job should take you an hour to quote. And boy, when I heard that, I was like, oh, man, that is not me. Because like I was taking an entire day to quote a $3,000 job, which is now – quick sketches, you know, as, as you've progressed in such things and understanding, you know, I, I can quote a $5,000 job now in three or four minutes usually. So there's not, you're not losing tangible amounts of money doing your estimates, you know, and I think a proper understanding of that quoting, but is, is important and not getting trapped into the, Hey, could you come look at this thing? Cause that's the, everybody wants you to show up, right? Mm-hmm. They all want you to be there, but you don't always have to be there to, to begin to make people's problems go away, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I like that though. I, I'm definitely going to remember that and just try to frame that in a way that you get paid for your estimating, like you because you need to. And really, I guess right now I'm only getting paid to estimate if I get the job, and that needs that that does have to change. You end up giving time away for things, you know. Yeah, but uh, do you have a a hard stop time? Yeah, I'm going home at five. You're going home at five. I'm going home at five. There's there is not much, absolutely not much that no, keeps me at the shop that's today. Oh, today. I- <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant just day to day in the business. Like, no, I've got. Oh, uh, dude, I can. Yeah, I got. I probably got a few more minutes if if you've got time. But I probably do need to quit here a little bit and and sure. uh, get back. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, to to touch on what you said before about um, you know, the as far as the jobs go, you know, sometimes like perfect example. I got a quote of or I got an email. Was it a couple of days ago? They have these doors that like the it's a three quarter inch ride that goes into a bearing and it looks like the bearings trash, but nobody can give me a straight answer. And they're like, you need to come out straight away. And I'm like, look, I'll tell you what, instead of me coming out um, and instead of me coming out and giving you what you need to get done. And they're like, they're hot on it. They're like, it needs to be done. Like yesterday we need to get it done. I'm like, you know what? I'll tell you what, how about I just order some stock pillow bearings. I'll bring some three quarter inch bar and I'll make something happen if it needs to happen. And if we end up not using it, I'm okay with that too. But I'm going to come mm-hmm. out there prepared for the job rather than driving 25 minutes there, assessing it, right. telling them what it needs. Hey, you guys go order the, the, the bearings or I'll order the bearings and then I got to come back, tool up and come back and fix it. No, the bearings were 25 bucks on Amazon. They're actually coming today. I got the three quarter inch bar. I spent 30 minutes making stock plates for the bolt holes and I got everything to do to fix it the proper way that I think it should be fixed. But if it turns out that the bearings aren't shot and it just a weld broke, I'll just weld it up and that's it, you know? Right. So And then you've got bearings on the shelf. Yeah, exactly. In stock now. Right. Exactly. And and sometimes it's not even worth, going back and forth for the small things like that. You know, I cut these plates out. It took me 30 minutes plus a little bit of material and 25 bucks for the bearings. I'm going to bill them for that regardless. And um, it just makes me look like a hero to them Mm -hmm. because I came ready to fix and fix their machine. I came up with the solution rather than trying to point fingers back and forth of, do you want to get this? Do you want to get that? Like, well, how do you want to fix this? Like, no, I know what I'm doing. Let me come in there. Let me fix it for you. And I'll be done. So, yeah, 
Yeah, I love. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of my same mentality too. I- identical. Yep. Awesome. Um, the let's go ahead. we should touch on mar- markups and material because I think something that uh, I see often again, man. It's either when it comes to jobs, it's either free or full price, and you've probably heard that mentality too, or, or that bit of business advice. Here, there is a lot of money. When you're looking for profitability, it can't all come off the hard work of your back and your hands. It can't all be there. There has to be some money you capture around the peripheral. So if somebody's job needs nine and a half sticks of metal, right? Nine and a half sticks of two, you know, whatever. Well, the second half of that 10th stick is mine. You know, it just, you know, I'm not making sure the customer gets everything they paid for. You know, that's going on the inventory rack. And the next time somebody comes in, I'm, I'm re I've already sold them the 10 sticks. I'm reselling that half a stick. I'm going to, that is now getting sold at full market price. It is my possession. Nothing, you know, it's like, oh, it didn't cost me anything here. You can have it. Like, I mean, again, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm all about giving things away, like uh, being very generous. That's not what we're talking about right now when a customer needs something fabricated from two and a half inch square tube or whatever, and you've got some leftover from another job, that's all the way we build out. You don't just not charge them for that metal. Cause you don't have anything in it. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's ridiculous. Sell them that piece. Again, I've sold the same piece of metal two or three, four times. Like yeah. it's just sell it. And there, there is money. But so let's talk about the material markups. I didn't mark up materials enough and at all for a while. You know, I just thought that was a man, I'll lose this job if I mark up the material, you know, and you think about, and then you realize how much this stuff goes for and, and your efficiency in handling it and you store it. It's in your real estate. You're storing material all the time. Like it's eating up. You have expenditure in that real estate and you're, it's eating up square footage and it has to be paid for. Right. So like, to me, I'm really trying to get 50% on everything we do and keep all the drops. So like, if you need a half a sheet of stainless, I'm, have to buy a whole sheet. I don't inventory three eight stainless plate. You know, if you need three eight stainless and a half sheet, I'm buying a whole sheet and I'm keeping the second half. Unless you specifically said, "Hey, I've got something else I want to use that for. Can I have it?" But most customers don't. So you end up inventory. I end up building an inventory of things that walk in stuff or quick quick returns for a client that needs something today, which is too often. I've got that material right here in stock. I can whip it up and you get to turn a real even padded profit because you're selling your labor, but you're getting you got free material. You got free material that you get to sell at market price plus the markup again. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's just money to be captured there that you're not cheating anybody out of anything. You are the distributor. You you're you're paying yourself to be that storekeeper of those things on the shelf, and you're the distributor yep. now. So like <clears throat> anyway, that's a, that's a mentality that I had to get past that I thought might be helpful for somebody to hear. But sure, I even um, I like the if there's like I always like to order one stick extra. Just in yes. case somebody yes. screws something up, you're not that's right four days behind waiting. So we get material delivered Tuesdays and Thursdays. If we get it Thursday and we miss cut it on Thursday, we got to wait Friday, Saturday, Sunday, oh, dear, Monday, yeah. and then it's yeah. it, it'll come on Tuesday. So I'm not waiting five days. I will just bit like add in another stick of material for everything that we do, just that's about right. every size, unless I know I have some on the sh- on the shelf, and it's like well. Right. You know, if we do screw up, I'll just use that one. Um, yeah. I'll order, I'll build that into the cost of the job and I'll order. So if we're bending things, I'll order a couple extra just to get my break or something dialed in. Of so course. That yep. it, you know, I, I'm not ordering 48 pieces of material because I need 48 pieces piece of material. I'm ordering yep. 50 or 52 so I can screw up a bunch of times until it's dialed in correctly. That's right. You That's know what right. I mean? Yep. 
Yeah, and that's that's the investment in speed in my mind is uh, when we got profitable enough that I could spend money on things I didn't need right then and there, I did the same, I started doing the same thing. I order extra stick of every single thing I need. That is now inventory. Mm-hmm. And that what that allows you to do is operate, yes, faster and more efficient. We got a customer that needs these widgets made out of two by four by quarter rec tube, you know, and it's hot off the press. You can charge them whatever you want. They need it tomorrow. Well, yeah, I got the stick right there on the shelf. All it is a little bandsaw and a little weld and sell it out, mark it up. Boom. That's how you build your inventory. So it's like mm-hmm. you don't you know, and it's, of course, it's getting harder to do now with steel prices. But, you know, a year and a half ago, it was like, oh, yeah, order two sticks, five sticks, six sticks, whatever. Like, just let's have some inventory on the wall, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, that 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 was my exact plan, too, was order an extra stick every single job, every single size, unless it was something really unique that you were never going to need. You know, something, some oddball piece of rec tube or something, you know. But, like, two by two by quarter square, probably one of the most common square tubes laying around anybody's shop like yeah there's always going to be a couple sticks on the shelf you know like we're going to have some of that stock for the fast stuff you know or the the miscuts or the you know whatever yeah two by two by quarter angle quarter inch oh yeah eighth inch plate you know all that super common stuff Um, that's right yeah i'm actually fortunate enough to be about an hour away from a a uh they're like an industrial like they'll buy out companies when they're closing down and they'll buy like the entire warehouse. So they've got like four or five acres of nothing but surplus steel. So it's not usually, uh, well, it's not usually profitable for me to go out there and just pick up some material. But now that steel prices are up, I'll go out there. I'll drop a grand, two grand on some quarter inch plate. That is still yeah. in decent shape. It's still straight. Yeah. It's a, it might be a little bit rusty, but um, just yeah. to keep that in stock. So, and I'm buying that at fifty five cents a pound versus like a dollar fifty a pound. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, right. at, at, you can like, handle at, a little bit of rust. Yeah, for that a little price. bit of rust, yeah. and you know, because like by the time that you you hook up the trailer, you drive out there. You walk around, you BS with some of the guys there, you get loaded up, you get weighed, you pay, you drive an hour back. It's a half a day. It's four or five hours. Um, So you have to account for that in the price. So if you're going out there buying 200 bucks worth of material, it ain't worth it. If you're going out there buying $2,000 worth of material, then, then you're making, then you're making some money on it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, If you were to start, all over again, what would you change if anything? One, I, I don't think I would start all over again, like I said earlier, <laughs> but I have all of the things that I, uh, this is the second or third time I've kind of talked about uh, my business. And it, it's very helpful to sometimes just process, like I'm going to gain, I'm going to glean a lot of this personally. I know you invited me to come share my business story with you, but I glean a lot from just hearing myself talk because sometimes you're like, man, you've been saying that same thing and it just doesn't work for you. Like that's, that's just a bunch of baloney, you know, it's like talking these things out is really helpful, but a lot of what I have been saying on some of these podcasts and things are things that I would have liked to have told myself 11 years ago, 12 years ago, you know? And so like a lot of this is, I want to help other folks jump and ship, trying to start their own thing, do business with the things I've learned the hard way. I don't want you to do some of the stupidly miserable things I did early on. Um, but that's that's exactly what I would change is I would seek out those people who have already learned those and try to learn from their mistakes. Like that's just 
efficiency 101. Like, don't make your own mistakes. Learn from other people's mistakes. Like, that. I mean, it's this grade school level stuff that I didn't do. I, I didn't do that well. I don't know if it was pride or hubris, whatever. It just, it was, I didn't do that well. And so I'm at, at right now, sometimes it's just helpful to hear you speak. Other business owners have those conversations and you can glean so much. So the thing I would do if I was starting all over is I'd go find somebody 10 years in offer to sweep their shop floors, like go do free things for them until they recognize what, what you, what you're there for, what you want and need, and you have earned their respect enough for them to give it to you, you know, like do those things, you know? And so that's what I would do. I would start over that way, but I think I would just put a lot more emphasis on understanding the industry, understanding that speed is expensive. And when customers need you to operate fast, I have a sign in the shop. I've made a couple, you know, fast, accurate, cheap, choose two, you know, like you try to, you try to give all three of those speed, accuracy, and low cost. You try to give all three of those in any industry, any trade. And it's, it's a one-way ticket to being out of business. So if you need highly accurate work done very fast, Stop being the low bidder. Stop being the low baller. They're coming to you because you are fast, because you can make things happen quickly, because you can drop what you're doing, call an audible, balance your customer's needs and take care of somebody's problem before other things you had scheduled. Like we do that often. Um, but just understanding that speed is expensive. And if you're going to, if you're, I want to compete on speed and quality. That's the only thing I want to compete on. I want my guys to be fast. I want them to be efficient we will not be the cheapest. I will never be at the bottom of a bidding war. Like I just, that's, that is a, a unfortunate circumstance for people who create commodities. You know, if your aunt's homemade strawberry jam tastes just like Susie's homemade strawberry jam over there, and they taste identically the same, Susie doesn't get to charge $7 and your aunt gets to charge five. Like those things come toward each other because it's now a commodity. It's the way farmers operate, right? They grow all the corn and hope the price is what they need it to be at the end of the year, right? That's called commodity because your, your feed corn really isn't that different than somebody else's feed corn two counties away or two states away. It's this, you're growing commodities. There's nothing special about your corn, your wheat, or your soybeans, you know? And, and maybe in some instances there are, but the, the point is don't offer to be a commodity, if you want to be able to charge good rates, offer something that other people aren't offering. Like there is a way to set yourself apart, you know? And I just, man, I wish I could turn toward my naive 29 year old self and say, Hey, listen here, fella, you know, like, let's talk about this. And so, but I didn't, I didn't. And so that's, that's part of why I'm here. And I even choose to spend, you know, Saturday afternoon times doing this kind of stuff is because me and you've had similar conversations over beers at Fabtech and, you know, talking about what this looks like and doing things the hard way. And that I think it's just worth, passing that on down say save save somebody else some heartburn and some sleepless nights because i've lost some hours of sleep over this stuff i promise you know <laughs> but yeah good man well hey i really yeah. appreciate your time you know yeah dude uh, like i think this is a wealth of knowledge i'm really glad we got to sit down and talk about this and um thank you thank you man yeah man thank you uh for asking me to to be on and i definitely look forward to hanging out again in the future, man. We'll, uh, we'll get together if you're going to come to Atlanta this year, or whatever, and, and chat some more. So actually yeah, the, um, you're, where are you in you're, Knoxville? Knoxville. So we're going yeah. to pigeon forge. In, that's where I grew up in, in August. Yep. That's so where I grew up. So we're, we, yeah, we might have to hang out. 
yeah, dude, you holler, man. I'll come down. I'll come down. Now, I know that's family time. Like a, a lot of guys traveled. We have a lot of tourism here. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people come to Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg and recognize that's about family time and not internet relationships. But if you had free time and you actually want to sit down and have a beer or something, holler at me. So well, <laughs> I get that it's for family, but no, 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 I do because my wife brought it up. Um, the, 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 uh, the first time she was like Pigeon Forge. I'm like, I think, I think Andrew Petty's from there. And she's like, yeah. oh, really? But then when, when, <laughs> when we actually made plans, I was like, babe, I actually really would like to like, just hang out and just see him for an afternoon or something like that. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. So oh, that's cool. I think, I, I think I will hit you up. Um, All right. You know, we'll bring the kids and stuff like that. And um, yeah, yeah, I think it will be fun, man. Awesome. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know. Enjoy it. Cool. And I, I really enjoyed being on. So thanks for having me, Kevin. Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate right. it. Get back to work. <laughs> See you, man. Bye. See you, buddy. All right, guys. Well, I hope you really enjoyed that one. I hope that clarifies a lot of stuff. I hope that answers a lot of your questions. And personally, I really, really enjoyed talking to him. He's Drew is a wealth of knowledge. He's a great guy. Reach out to him if you have any specific questions because he's really personable and he'll answer you back on there. So if you don't follow him yet, he's Petty's Welding on Instagram. We're the Welding Business Owners Podcast on Instagram. Check us out. Check him out. And we'll see you in two weeks for the start of a new episode series.